If you're interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email, or visit us at lutherhouseofstudy.org. You can find Sarah's email in the show notes. Also, we'd like to say a special thank you to Bob O'Connor and the Lutheran Leadership Foundation for sponsoring this week's episode. But he's not crying out saying, um, <laughs> you need to do what I'm asking you because I'm blind and I don't have a job and I'm a beggar and I'm sitting on the side of the road. And this is not that. He is not making a claim of his own righteousness at all. When he says mercy, and as I've said, unfair, that means he's confessing, I'm, I do not deserve this. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. Right before Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, a blind man hears that Jesus is coming down the road and shouts, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He throws off his cloak to meet Jesus, and Jesus asks him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man says he wants to see again. And Jesus replies, Go, your faith has made you well. This week, Luther House of Studies co-director Sarah Stenson breaks down this text to reveal the significance of this blind man calling Jesus Son of David, the implication behind him throwing off his cloak, and what exactly it means that his faith has made him well. I learned a lot in this conversation, and I'm excited you get a chance to listen in. But first, here's Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. They came to Jericho as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have our co-director, Sarah Stenson, with Kiri and I this week. Thanks for being here, Sarah. Thank you. Okay, so the Scripture reading for today kind of picks up where last week left off. Can you just give us a little bit of context about that and what we're looking at here? 
So I think you just gave the context. Oh. It picks up where last week's <laughs> left off. But specifically what last week's was talking about is it was the text where James and John say to Jesus, do whatever we ask of you. We, we, we want to sit at your right and left hand in your glory. So this text now today is sandwiched between the James and John request text and Jesus' triumphal entry, as it's known, into Jerusalem. So we're getting really close to the crucifixion now. Okay. So they, Jesus and his disciples and whoever else was following him on the road, they came to Jericho as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho. Mm -hmm. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. Right. And I'm just going to give you a little point of kind of cool Greek trivia here. So Bar Timaeus mm-hmm. literally means son of Timaeus because the Bar oh. is son of. Isn't that kind of cool? They're so original in biblical times. Well, they kind of oh do the same goodness. thing in Norway and other like in other languages too in Norwegian. But yeah, so son of Timaeus, son of Timaeus is kind of what that really <laughs> means. <laughs> Nice. A blind beggar. <laughs> They're just repeating it exactly. themselves. Right. So he was sitting by the roadside. Um, and then when he heard that it was Jesus, he began to say, he, he shouted, Jesus, have mercy on me. Right. And the key there, this is verse 47, is when Bartimaeus had heard, he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth. So clearly he had heard about Jesus prior to this encounter. That's why he begins to shout and he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So this is not just a random encounter at all. Bartimaeus knew about Jesus. He had heard about Jesus. And he specifically then says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And there's actually a lot packed in this. So the son of David is what we call a messianic term. It's a, it's a, the way from the Old Testament um, people were recognizing or referencing this is what the Messiah will be called. And specifically, Son of David is coming from Second Samuel 7, where God promises David that it would be through his offspring, David's offspring, that God's kingdom would be established. So when Bartimaeus is shouting son of David, have mercy on me. He's actually hearkening back to the, those, what we now call the Old Testament texts, recognizing this is actually the one we've been promised all the way through the prophets. And that's something that not very many other people pick up on. I mean, they understand that Jesus is a teacher. They understand they call him rabbi all the time. But for him to say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He is correctly identifying him as the promised God. Exactly. Exactly. And he's also correctly identifying who God really is, and that is merciful. He's crying out, have mercy on me, which means be unfair. Do not give me what I deserve. That's literally what mercy is. So he's correctly identifying son of David, the messianic term. And also, this is exactly what God came to do, what Jesus came to do, is not 
give us the law, but actually have mercy. And then he says, on me, specifically. That's the personal pronoun, that hmm. have mercy, be unfair to me. And for clarification, we're getting closer and closer and closer to God, to Christ's crucifixion, correct? Yes. Okay. So like Jesus is really starting to get known. His name is starting to get out there for people. Because I know, I think it was in last week's podcast, we were talking about how they improperly used Jesus's name. They called him teacher or rabbi or something. And um, rather than son of David. And so it's it's interesting to see that in such a short timeline here and with such diverse crowds that Jesus is attracting, mm -hmm. this blind beggar is the one who's actually addressing him correctly. And asking him yeah. for the thing Jesus actually came to do, which is be merciful, have mercy on me. And, it, and you're right, Carrie, the con contrast even between James and John which is what happens just before this text, of course, saying, we want to sit at your right and left hand in your glory. And what that meant was um, thinking of the Messiah as a political or military victory type of Messiah, earthly terms. And that's what the sitting at the right hand and the left hand meant. So the disciples, the two disciples, James and John, Still are not getting it, but here's this blind beggar, Bartimaeus, correctly saying, son of David, do what you came to do. Be merciful. Be unfair. Well, and it's interesting because he's kind of the bottom of the totem pole in society. And you can see that in verse 48 when it says that many sternly ordered him to be quiet. So Jesus just finished lecturing the disciples. <laughs> Right. And now they're going and doing the same thing he just taught them. And they're going and doing that to Bartimaeus. They're, you know, trying to keep him quiet. Yeah. Because he's causing a scene. He's not obeying the law. He's not fulfilling the role he's expected to fill. Sit there quietly, blind beggar on the side of the road with your cloak in your lap, which we'll talk about here shortly, just collecting alms the people give you, but don't make a scene. So he's, Bartimaeus is now actually acting outside of the law by crying out. And when they order him to be quiet, the text says, verse 48, but he cried out even more loudly. And here's, a, I had actually had a pastor at a text study a few days ago, um, pick this up, but the Greek word here for cried is kratzo, which means it's an inarticulate cry expressing deep emotion, like the cry of a raven. So it's not even a word he's hmm. saying. It's just this deep emotional crying out, son of David, have mercy on me. Like, ah, son of David, have mercy on me. He says it even ah. louder. Ah, that was my raven cry. <laughs> nice. It's a wimpy little raven. <laughs> but I th what I think is even cooler about this these two verses is that you read them literally and you don't really pick up anything, but when you read them word for word, they say, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, you pointed this out. He heard that. How else do you know that Jesus is God other than through hearing? Yep. It's through preaching That's that he, he actually identifies that. It's not like he, he figured it out for himself. Right. He was preached to and the Holy Spirit told him, 
that he this is this is God in front of you. Absolutely. That's a good point, Mason. <laughs> to quote Sarah. <laughs> no, that's true because we've talked about that in the uh, a few podcasts ago, you know, like if this is causing you to stumble, cut it off. Yeah. If this and we're talking mm-hmm. about how you need hearing. Yes. Faith Which comes he through has. hearing and this is a blind man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not and then he says, "Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me." Like you said that personal pronoun it's not this abstract that Jesus is merciful. Yes, he is, but it's have mercy on me, exactly. which is the thing that we all end up asking in the end. Absolutely. This is actually confession and absolution ultimately, but it's that confession. You are crying out, I'm a sinner. He, he's not crying out Humanity is our humans are sinners. He's not saying that Mm-mm. in I general. Am. Exactly. I am. He's not, but he's not crying out saying, um, <laughs> you need to do what I'm asking you because I'm blind and I don't have a job and I'm a beggar and I'm sitting on the side of the road. And this is not that he is not making a claim of his own righteousness at all. When he says mercy, and as I've said, unfair, that means he's confessing. I'm, I do not deserve this. And which he doesn't. Is, which is so contrary to our day and age where could you imagine going to your boss and saying, have mercy on me. You'd like admit, admitting fault. <laughs> or something right. like that. Fired. Thanks <laughs> <Yeah>. for <laughs> stopping. In today's day and age, you're always justifying. It's This yeah. is true then. It was true then also though, Mason. This is why they're telling him like, be quiet. Telling him don't make a scene because... Everywhere else in our lives, and it's it's biblical times and today, the law, what you're talking about, like you get fired if you don't do your job or you have expectations and you have to meet them, societal, personal, whatever. That's the law and it functions on us everywhere else in our lives. And here's this blind beggar now going way outside of the law and mm-hmm. saying, don't be fair. Don't give me what I deserve. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because Jesus does hear him. Mm-hmm. He calls him over. He tells the disciples to go get him. And he says, take here. H-E-A. It's, actually, it's translated R. heart. Oh, You can't see the T on your little phone. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> take heart. Because that'd be really weird. Take here. What does that mean? I was just about to that'd ask be, that. Yeah, I'm like, be what a kind little... of here? No here. wonder you were going to ask. Cause that's you're weird. there. <laughs> but it's actually not a great translation there. It's Tharseo. Mm-hmm. It's take courage or have courage. Take courage. Get up. He's calling you. So take heart is fine, but I kind of like the courage, like as if he needs it. I like take here. So and take there, here is good too. Yeah. Is there any context that why Jesus stood still and said, call him here? I mean, Jesus, I'm assuming is on the, the street and can see him. Like, why does he command other people to be like, all right, get him over here? I don't know. I have no, I don't know, Mason. If, if I kind of pictured as there's some distance there and Jesus wants him in it, his sure. presence more directly. And also he's, you know, a large crowd, and the disciples are all surrounding Jesus too. That may be part of it as well. Why do the disciples need to take to, need to talk to him and say, "Take heart, get up"? So essentially, take courage, get up. If he's already being courageous in trying to shout out for Jesus in the first place before they sh- try to shush him, right? I think it's it's simply they're doing what Jesus told them because okay. Jesus says, mm. "Call him here," and so they. They call 
to the blind man and say, take heart, get up. He's calling you. Like, don't give up. Here you have courage. Don't give up. Come on. He's calling you. Okay. And his reaction is really cool here too, which is verse 50. So Bartimaeus hears this, take heart, get up. He's calling you. He throws off his cloak, springs up, and then he came to Jesus. So the throwing off his cloak, kind of to your point earlier, Mason, that'd be easy to kind of like, oh, that's kind of descriptive, little, you know, narrative ploy. Um, but actually the cloak would have been used. It had a purpose for Bartimaeus. It would have been used by him to beg for alms for money. And of course it'd be used for warmth as well. So it w- it had a specific like material or physical purpose for this blind beggar. And so when, when he hears Jesus is calling him, calling you. He throws off that cloak, springs up, and runs over to Jesus. And so he is throwing his cloak off. And by the the springs up is ispideo in the Greek, which leap, rush impetuously. This is not calculated. He's not thinking, maybe I'll need, it's supposed to be cold tonight. Maybe I'll keep that cloak or I'm going to need it later for yeah. more begging or no, he, it, this is kind of that again, outside of the law that his reaction is also outside of the law. He throws the cloak off, impetuously leaps towards Jesus. He's not Jesus. thinking of the consequences no. or what he's going to lose. Well, and exactly. it's also, he's not, he's not calculated in his decision-making. He's not thinking like, okay, well, if I, I if I ask this, I might get it. I don't really know. It's from him understanding that this is God. It's similar to the text we just talked about. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a right. needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. This guy hears about that this is God in front of me, and he gets rid of his only possession. He tosses yeah. that dang cloak off and says, "I don't, I don't need any worldly possessions. I've got God in front of me." Right. Yep. No, exactly. So this is this is a reaction to understanding what God's power and promise can be when it's right in front of you. Absolutely. Well, and I feel like this text is just such an interesting piggyback to last week's text because of uh, everything we've talked about, and then what Jesus is about to say coming up too. Mm -hmm. Because the disciples last time were essentially saying. The like saying this to Jesus, expecting this from him. And now Jesus turns it around to the guy who's actually looking for the gospel. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? So this time Jesus is asking him hmm. and he kind of asked before, but it was, I think you guys said it was more of a test. And now he's actually saying, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man says, let me see again. Yeah. My teacher. Yeah. And the, my teacher is this Rabuni in the Greek, which it does mean teacher, but it's the key is it's great respect. It's a title of great respect. It can also be translated master. Okay. So it's not as if all of a sudden he doesn't think he's the Messiah or no, it's, it's immense respect. Rabuni, okay. let me see again. And you're right, Carrie, the contrast with Jesus now asking the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? It's such an echo of the James and John text when they ask him to do whatever they want him to do. I mean, it's a really clear echoing of James and John and now this Bartimaeus, the blind man. And of course, Jesus' response is 
key, um, when Bartimaeus is my teacher, let me see again. Jesus says, go, your faith has made you well. And that is, is a huge part of this text. So in the Greek, the has made you well is sozo, S-O-Z-O. And it means not just uh, physical healing, although it does, it does mean healing, but it means saved, salvation. That's, that's what he's actually saying. It also then heal and rescue. But sozo is salvation, saved. And so when Jesus says, your faith has saved you, it has given you salvation, so it is. He, Jesus is naming, and we've seen this in other kind of similar types of kind of miracle healing type things, your faith has saved you. It's not simply the physical healing. And that's what Bartimaeus recognized about Jesus. Mercy, have mercy on me. He knows who he's dealing with here, which is why Jesus hears that confession, really, coming out of Bartimaeus's mouth and says, your faith has saved you. And again, there's no calculation immediately it says he regained his sight and followed him on the way. Right. Yeah. Euthis in the Greek is immediately. And that means like, boom, it, this is the verb in reality. Jesus spoke, it happened, which is what happens to this day. When God speaks, it happens. When any baptized Christian, including pastors, of course, say in the name of Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sin, it happens. Boom. It's the same thing here. Your faith has made you well. Euthus, immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. And it, it kind of begs the question or leaves it somewhat open-ended here. It's an, a little bit of an awkward way to end this text. So if I were preaching this text, I might not read the next verses, but I would certainly put it in context to explain what does that mean, followed him on the way. Because Bartimaeus, who now has his sight restored, he can see again, follows Jesus, which is what we get to see in the next verses, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So, so Bartimaeus is following Jesus now on the, literally on the road to his crucifixion. So the, what we call the Palm Sunday text with the Hosanna, Hosanna, the big crowds, that's what happens immediately after this verse. And of course, before we get too um, excited about Bartimaeus and what great faith Bartimaeus had, which is kind of tempting to do because clearly he did have that faith, and this is what Jesus recognized too, <laughs> but we know the rest of the story. You're too young for Paul Harvey, but Paul Harvey used to say, and that's the rest of the story. So the rest of the story here is Bartimaeus follows Jesus on the way to Jerusalem, presumably, and there's different theories and speculation about in some of the apocryphal texts about Bartimaeus may show up. It doesn't really matter because we can certainly assume Bartimaeus is following Jesus into Jerusalem. He is a witness then to what happened to Jesus. First, the crowds shouting, Hosanna, they love him. It's great. And then the flip, the 180-degree flip to 
crucify him, crucify him. So Bartimaeus was no better or no different than anyone there or anyone living to this day, we're including ourselves here, betrayed Jesus ultimately. He received that miracle just before Jesus is crucified. And Jesus, of course, knew that's exactly why he was going to the cross, is to take all of the sin of the world in his flesh, including Bartimaeus, who just had this beautiful confession. And Jesus says this beautiful, your faith has saved you. Bartimaeus follows. It seems like a happy ending, like they're riding off into the sunset. But we know what's happening in that riding off in the sunset. It's a brutal, brutal death, resurrection. And then, of, of course, the for the forgiveness of all our sin, Bartimaeus included. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Sarah Stenson for teaching us that when Jesus speaks, it happens. Faith comes through hearing. And when we hear of Jesus coming down the road, it's our faith that makes us well. Not just physically, but it literally means salvation. Immediately, your faith has saved you. We want to thank the sponsors who make this podcast and all the other ministries at Luther House of Study possible. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email at s-s-t-e-n-s-o-n at a-u-g-i-e dot e-d-u. That's s-stenson at augie dot e-d-u. You can find her email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. If you have a question about something you heard in this episode, we'd love it if you'd send us a message or comment on one of our posts on Facebook. You can find our page at Luther House of Study, and we respond to every comment and message as quickly as we can. It'd also be helpful if you'd leave a rating and comment of Scripture First on Apple Podcasts. Doing so helps others find the podcast when they're searching for shows just like it. Thanks again for joining us this week. Your faith has saved you. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.